Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Lady Preacher podcast. I'm really glad that you are here. A few things uh, before we dive in. I just want to be sure to tell you about some things we have coming up. So this month, I am speaking at the Inspired for Life conference happening in February. So I guess not this month, but next month. And I hope you sign up for that. There are some really incredible other speakers who are going to be there. This includes Suzanne Stabile, who is an Enneagram expert, Latasha Morrison with Building Bridges. It is an amazing group, and I really hope you check it out. You can find out more information. I will link it in the show notes, um, and I will also link it on my website, dancingpastor.com. Org under workshops and retreats. So please be sure to go and check that out. I will also have some other things coming up in February, like just a Zoom gathering to do some journaling and reflecting on scripture and prayer and other things like that. So I really hope that you join me for those things. Okay, let's dive in. Today we are going to talk about Jonah. And I love the title of this. It's called Temper Tantrums with God, a lesson on forgiveness. So without further ado, let's just dive in. This is uh, Jonah chapter three. We're going to read verses one through five, then verse 10, and then we'll read chapter four. So I invite you just to take a deep breath, relax your shoulders, soften your jaw. If your tongue is pressed up on the roof of your mouth, let it relax down. And hear now the word uh, of the prophet Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk. And he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on a sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed God's mind about the calamity that God had said God would bring upon them, and God did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and Jonah became angry. Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. 
when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? Here ends our reading. I invite you to say a quick prayer with me. Beloved and holy God, we lift our hearts to you this day. Whatever worries or concerns are weighing on our hearts, we lay them down before you. There's so much we wish we could control in this world that we actually cannot control. And so just for this moment, we hand those things over to you and put them in your trusting care. God, I ask you to be present with everyone listening today. May they feel the abundance of your love and your grace that reaches each and every one of us. No matter how far into the depths that we have gone. We pray all this, O oh God, in Jesus' name, asking that our hearts and minds be open and our wells to be filled. In Jesus' name, amen. So I mentioned, and you obviously know because you're listening to this, that the title of this is Temper Tantrums with God. And when we think of temper tantrums, we often tend to think of toddlers or kids. The typical scene in the grocery store when the kid throws themselves down in the aisle and their arms are flailing and their legs are kicking and they're throwing this huge temper tantrum and screaming. And you just you just want to hug that parent and tell them you are loved. <laughs> but adults have temper tantrums, too, right? Not just kids. They look a little different. You know, you might not see a 55 year old person throw themselves down on the floor in the middle of the grocery store. But adults also have temper tantrums. It just looks a little different. And it happens when we don't have the right words to express our hurt or our fear or our anger. Our, our feelings are just too much and there are no words to, to adequately explain them. And so we find ourselves perhaps in an adult version of a temper tantrum. I know for me, my husband called me out when we were first living together and he said, you know, you throw temper tantrums a lot. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, when you're angry, you walk around the house stomping and cleaning. And I was like, I'm not stomping. I'm walking with purpose. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 you are stomping. But I, I didn't realize what I was doing. I thought I was just, you know, getting my anger out by walking around cleaning and picking things up. But uh no, apparently this is stomping. It's my adult version of a temper tantrum. And I know I'm not alone because when I preached this sermon on a Sunday, I saw all of the little heads on Zoom nodding in agreement that, yes, okay, I see this in myself. I have done this as well. And this is the kind of temper tantrum we see in Jonah in our story today. 
You may recognize the story of Jonah. He's the the guy who gets swallowed by a large fish or a whale. And it's one that we often talk about in Sunday school and learn so much about. And people always focus on how, you know, it's, it's that story of we're trying to, to remember, to listen to God's call for us. That's the message generally with Jonah. But I like the ending of this story. It's really powerful. And I appreciate it because it's so human. It's so real and we can relate to it a lot. We don't always like to admit that we relate to this, but we do. And so with Jonah, he's throwing his temper tantrum. And to understand why he does, to understand why he's hurting and upset in this moment, it helps to, to understand the history. So if, if we go back a little bit, just kind of remembering Jonah and his story, Jonah is an Israelite. He's a prophet. And God has asked him to go to the city of Nineveh and to prophesy to them in hopes that it will turn them around. Say, you know, you've done all these things and it's made God angry in the hopes that they may repent. And Jonah doesn't want to. Jonah goes in the exact opposite direction from Nineveh tries to get in a boat. He goes with these sailors. There's a storm. The sailors are like, dude, you're the reason there's a storm. And so Jonah jumps off the boat, ends up getting sold by a large fish. He says this beautiful prayer. It's actually my favorite prayer in all of the Bible. If you go and look at Jonah chapter two, about you know being swallowed up by the waves and encompassed under the great waters and just crying out to God. And God gives Jonah a second chance. He tells him to get up and go to Nineveh. And this is what you're to say to the people. It's a three days walk. Spend these three days to send this message to the people. And so Jonah begrudgingly complies and says, okay, I'll go. But we have to understand why Jonah didn't want to go. Why did he not want to go to Nineveh in the first place? And it's because of the history of Nineveh and Israel. So the Assyrian Empire conquered Israel around 732 BCE for the Common Era, and Nineveh had been the capital of Assyria. So you can understand why Jonah might not want to go to a place that had been the capital of the empire that had conquered his people historically. It makes sense that he doesn't want to go here because it is probably a dangerous place. It is probably not a place where Israelites might want to go. One of my colleagues referred to it as um, a heads on pikes kind of place for Jonah. But God called him there. And so, you know, Jonah, again, tries to avoid it, but ends up having to go. God gives him the second chance. So stubbornly and reluctantly, Jonah goes to Nineveh to proclaim this is what you are doing wrong in hopes that people will repent. And I suppose that's God's hope (laughs) that people will repent. And Jonah, as I mentioned earlier, he's supposed to walk the city for three days. It's a three days walk. But what we learn in the story is that Jonah only does one day's walk. And then he only says eight words, eight words to the city of Nineveh and its people. And much to Jonah's chagrin, the people actually listen Again, he only did one day. It's a three days walk for the whole city. And he says eight words. And yet people hear the word of the Lord and they throw on their sackcloths and they repent even to the absolute extreme. We didn't read these particular verses today, but even animals put on sackcloths like this is how extreme their repentance is. 
And God sees this and has compassion on them and forgives them. And what does Jonah do in response to this? Jonah's angry. He's angry and he throws a fit. He leaves the city and he goes off and sits and waits to see what becomes of it. He stomps off. He's so angry. And part of why he's angry, he says this to God. I didn't even want to go here in the first place. Not just because of the danger, he says, but he complains to God. I didn't want to come here because I knew you are a gracious God. I know you are a merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I knew you would show mercy on these people and I didn't want that. God's grace is just a little too much for Jonah's taste for this city that has done so many horrible things. It wasn't a surprise to him that God was compassionate and merciful. He's just cranky about it. God was too merciful for him, too compassionate. He didn't really want Nineveh to be forgiven. He wanted them to suffer. That's why he tried to go in the opposite direction. He knew what would happen. Now that God has forgiven them, Jonah is feeling particularly miserable and spiteful, and he's throwing a bit of a pity party for himself. And I love this next part. God has compassion on Jonah in his dejected state. The sun is hot. Jonah is suffering a little bit in this heat. And so God has a bush grow to provide Jonah some shade. And it allows Jonah to to cool down both in terms of his temper and his temperature. And he sleeps through the night peacefully. But then God decides God's going to teach Jonah a little bit of a lesson. There's an opportunity here. So in the morning at dawn, the bush withers and dies. And as the temperatures rise and there's a hot wind, you know, I I kind of imagine Jonah is a little bald guy and, and the sun beating down on his head maybe causes a little bit of a sunburn. He's just miserable here. And Jonah gets so angry. His temper flares again, just as his temperature is flaring. And he's so mad and he's like, just kill me now, God. It's just better that I were dead at this point. And God asks him in this moment. Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah says, yes, angry enough to die. But God answers, you are concerned about the bush, but you did not plant it. You did not water it. You are not responsible for its growth. You didn't do anything to help it get to where it was. It was only here for a day. Should I, God, not also be concerned about Nineveh with more than 120,000 people who are children of God, whether you like it or not, dear Jonah, who are learning and growing, who do not know their right hand from their left? These people, should I not also be concerned about them? You were concerned about this bush that you had zero responsibility for. And should I not also be concerned about the Ninevites who I do have some responsibility towards? And the lesson here for Jonah is that God's compassion extends far beyond our own. We have all been like Jonah, a little irritated that God is going to forgive those people. We have all struggled to forgive. 
But this story is about how God's grace extends far beyond our own imagination. And this is good news for us because we all make mistakes. We all need forgiveness. And so how wonderful is it that God's grace extends even to us, even to us on our worst days with our worst acts, God's grace extends to you and to me. And my friend, there will always be people in this world that we struggle to forgive, whether it's ourselves or someone else. But what I appreciate about this, and I I do believe that working towards forgiveness whether towards ourselves or someone else is incredibly important. But this story gives me hope because it reminds me that even when I feel spiteful and cranky and dejected, God still cares for me. Even when I do the bare minimum, like Jonah did the bare minimum of, he said eight words. He traveled only one day of the three. He really did the bare minimum here. And yet God's words still made it to the people. The people of Nineveh still heard what God needed them to hear. Jonah did the absolute bare minimum and God filled in the rest. And so on the days when I can only manage the bare minimum, God will fill in the gaps. On the days when I really struggle to forgive someone else, I can ask for God's mercy and compassion to extend to that person. On the days when I struggle to forgive myself, I can trust that God's grace is bigger than my own. That even when I can't forgive myself, thank God that God forgives me. This, my friend, is incredibly good news. Even in those moments when God calls us and we go in the complete opposite direction, when we end up in the belly of a whale, swallowed up by the waters of the deep. God still loves you. God goes with you in your stubbornness, even still. There is nowhere you can go beyond God. God is there and God gives each and every one of us another chance. God uses these opportunities to teach us and help us grow and become and does so out of love and compassion, not making us to suffer but helping us to grow and to try again anew. And so, my friend, I hope you hear these words. That yes, forgiveness is good and we are called to forgive, but on the days that you can't, on the days when all you can manage is the bare minimum, trust that God's mercy extends far beyond our imagination, that God's compassion and love and grace is greater than we could ever know, and that it extends to you and to me and to everyone else. God goes with us, and God loves us, and God forgives us. God fills in the gaps that we need to be filled and loves us forevermore. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries, and you can find us online at dancingpastor.org 
or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.